Welcome to episode 106 of Dads from the Crypt. My name is Jason. Tonight, I'm joined by Jody. Hello. And Mondo. Hello. And we have some very special guests with us tonight. We have Terry and Julia from the Horror Movie Survival Guide podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So excited. Yes. On this uh, stormy, earthquakey day that we've been having here in Southern California. Um, it was we'll a hurricane. It was an earthquake. I'm at the combination hurricane earthquake. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll see if uh, we survive this podcast. Who knows? This could be our last will and testament. Um, but first, why don't you tell us about your show? Uh, so our show is Horror Movie Survival Guide. We've been going for over six years and have over 300 episodes. And uh, we do interviews. We've uh, talked to some amazing people. We've talked to Pat Oswalt and uh, Damon Leone and Fra- Diane Franklin and a bunch of people. But mainly the real show is every week we break down a horror movie uh, details. We love obscure details that no one else notices. And we go all over the map. Uh, we do. We're doing a gore round right now. We have Mike Flanagan. We've done lesbian vampires. Mm-hmm. We go all over the place. Um, and show tell you how to survive each movie yeah and we're very spoiler heavy so if there's a movie you really want to see and you don't want it spoiled don't listen to our show first but if there's a movie you know you're probably not going to see or maybe one that you just want to know a little bit more about and want to know all the things i have friends that are fraidy cats that don't want to watch any horror movies that love listening to our show because then they're like and then i know what happened and i feel better about it and it's like (laughs) it makes me feel good like i'm hanging out with my girlfriends talking about it i'm like exactly that is what we are for And Terry and I have been best friends for 20 years, so you're hearing genuine friendship on the show, which I think is is a fun bit. Julia, it's been 25 years. Oh, sorry. (laughs) We met at the end of the 90s, and it's now 2023. So, yeah, almost 25 years. Yeah, we're getting there. That's awesome. Yeah. So I saw that you recently covered Bodies, 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 which takes place during a uh, a storm of sorts. Hurricane party. Yes. Um, so this could be our Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. But how, <laughs> what did you decide is the best way to survive that movie? Oh, gosh. I think uh, you gotta just not uh, take everything, uh, oh. uh, assume everyone is the murderer, because uh, maybe it's not that. Because I, I, I don't remember. know if you know this. <laughs> <laughs> Not everything is as it seems. What was uh, it? I, re- <laughs> I remember the 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 how you survived the movie. We decided to do is you tell the truth. Mm. If you wow. tell the truth, you would survive. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah, Who I know, knew? right? It's not like telling the truth is important <laughs> or anything, you know. But nah. yeah, all oh, those guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, tonight we're going to be covering John Carpenter's body bags which actually just celebrated its 30th anniversary it came out uh, august 8th 1993 it was so amazing did not, did not time it that way it's just a happy uh, coincidence um jody real, real fast uh, before we start yes, can i sir. just give a, a shout out to one of our collaborators and an, another two people uh one our good friend dr natalie and her husband jeff and our uh, good friend and patreon tommy both dealing with losses of their pets recently mm-hmm. and um just want to throw out to you guys. You guys are in our thoughts, and um, uh, thank you for 
you know, being on our show and listening to our show and you guys had the best dogs. So uh, yeah. our, our, our thoughts go out to you guys. Sorry, didn't mean starting a somber note, but uh, no, we love animals. I get it. <laughs> well, let's talk about yeah. a morgue. But uh, <laughs> de- de- dealing with you know, you know, but you know what? Like humans, yeah, human yeah. humans will, will give you a reason why they should probably die. Like we're not the best species <laughs> in the world, but I, uh, dogs are just even we're not a, pure love like exactly. the doggies are. Yeah, yeah exactly. I get it. There's there's no such thing as a bad dog. Like Cujo wasn't <laughs> even a bad dog. He was made bad by. Who us humans? So uh, uh, dogs are awesome, and I always, my, my, I always feel real, like I have two little ladies, and when they go, like, ugh, 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 I don't know how I'm gonna deal with that one. So I don't know how this. So I just want to, you know, just shout out our good friends dealing with uh, uh with some losses. All right, as always, Jody, you are our plot synopsizer. Hope that's a word. <laughs> Synopsis, dude. I need like an official title. Yeah, we, you we know, need that, a theme. That would be nice. You could. Yeah. I, I I figure out you can wear like one of those old timey doctor like with a, like 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 with the um, mirror on the front of it, and oh, you, yeah, can be, yeah. you can be Doctor Synopsis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, just there's an idea. That's yeah. I mean, like, uh, we already know from our Campfire Tales episode that I like to be theatrical here, even though nobody can see me. So that's nice. <laughs> well, uh, they, they can see you if they watch a YouTube video. So they can't, and they don't know missing out on the end of these just uh. I suppose like Dr. Synopsis sounds like a villain from Mega Man. I mean, yeah, I, that's what's kind of yeah, going for. No, it definitely does. Yeah. yeah, I just watched uh, Across the Spider Verse this afternoon with the kids, and so yeah, that sounds like Spider Man villain. That mm. movie was excellent, by the way. <laughs> that <laughs> movie rocks. It's amazing. Oh, so good. Your your, uh, your 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 evil villain power would be you give three sentence synopsises of movies, but you spoil every important detail. Spoil the, the synopsis. <laughs> just the spoilers. Oh, <laughs> the synopsisizer. Ah. <laughs> Or 10 minutes and never actually get to like the first act. <laughs> One of the two. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do some synopsizing since I, we've had all this intro about it. All right. So uh, we open on a uh, morgue with the most entertaining coroner ever, John Carpenter in full makeup. Uh, and uh, he's, you know, messing with the bodies, poking around at him. He's looking for the gory ones. And uh, that's kind of our wraparound for this uh, anthology is every time uh, we he finds an interesting body, he tells us the story of how it got there. Oh. And so, the yeah, oh, don't forget about the formaldehyde uh, martini. Yeah, he's drinking formaldehyde martinis. He's just key. It's, I will say my fantastic. brother uh, in science class in high school dared his friend to eat a clam that was in formaldehyde, Oof. and he did it for a dollar, uh, and he lived. So oh, okay. go, shout out to Sparky for that. <laughs> man, that is a... Uh, I got to say, man, he got ripped off, though, because if you're going to eat a formaldehyde clam, you need more than a dollar for it. There are better ways to make a buck, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our first story uh, is called The Gas Station, and this one was directed by John Carpenter. Uh, we've got a young college student named Anne who is working at an all-night filling station near Haddonfield, Illinois. Uh, hey. Carpenter throwing in the references right from the get-go. Uh, there's a worker who's coming off his shift uh, named Bill, and he says, hey, you know, be careful. There's a serial killer that broke out of the mental hospital. Don't leave the booth without your keys because you'll get locked out. Bill leaves, and so she's hanging out in this little tiny glass booth for a long time by herself and as she's there random customers come up uh there's a guy named uh pete who's uh she's kind of into and he leaves his credit card behind and she tries to chase him but he drives away uh there's 
Wes Craven looking uh, haggard, uh, but awesome because it's Wes Craven. Hey, he was he was a he was looking like a young man back then, man. He was looking good. Yeah. I liked how sleazy he was. Yeah, oh, you yeah. both are. That's kind of our one of our brands. Just if we into creepy uncles, and I was like, oh no, oh no, I'm gonna get murdered by Wes Craven. He's so hot and gross. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very random. Like, wait, is that? Yes, it is. Oh, it definitely is. And there's a lot of these in this uh, movie. Yeah, then we got a, a couple that pulls up, and uh, guy wants to use the restroom. Wait, hang on, I'm out of order here. Then we get a cameo by the great George Buck Flowers, who, uh, if you see his name listed in the credits of a movie, you're going to be having a good time. Uh, and he also probably is playing a vagrant of some sort, because that's just kind of his thing. Oh, uh, okay. I got to talk about Buck Flowers for a second. Go for it. So I went through his IMDb. He's been a ton of Carpenter movies, mm -hmm. The Fog, Escape from New York. Um, he was in Pumpkinhead, Maniac Cop. He also played the vagrant in Back to the Future, the one on the um, the bench. Mm -hmm. I went through his IMDb and counted all the roles where it's either vagrant, homeless man, drunk. Fifteen roles. Wow. Yeah. He had his, his notch. Yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know your brand, you sell it. I mean, that's <laughs> exactly. brilliant. That is a beautiful case of that. He's the, perfect my, at it. My favorite role. That's listen to those IMDb. He actually was in a bunch of softcore porn movies in the right. early sure. 70s. He was in one called Mother Knows Best. His <laughs> character's name was Boris Clitoris. Wow. <laughs> have, you, have you seen that one, Jason? Can't say how. Not but yet. It was either 2022 or 2021. He was my wo most watched actor on Letterboxd because wow. I've been watching a lot of 80s horror and he's just in everything. So, But he comes <laughs> up and he gets a key to the restroom and uh, kind of scares the woman as she's waiting there. And then, like I said, a couple pulls up later and he goes to the restroom and says that this guy's passed out in there and he had to pee over him and they leave. And so she goes to go check the restroom and see what's going on. When she gets there, uh, there's this elaborate drawing on the stall wall that has a, first off real quick, for an all night rest stop restroom, pretty clean, honestly. Yeah. I, I've been in much, much worse. Yeah, I I'm thought it was. Gonna, I thought it was going to be way worse. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed by that mural. To be honest, if I went into a thing and there was that level of detail, I'm like, man, someone yeah. stood here for a long time <laughs> and did that. I appreciate that. It's not your normal, just like for a good time call. Oh like, yeah, you're getting details. It's also not your favorite <laughs> tag, Julia. Boners forever. That so. is the best tag of all time. <laughs> I mean, it's with not a Z. Like, yeah, and a four. <laughs> it's not as good as the bathroom from Glorious, but it's it's up there. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's what I expected. That's the, that's yeah. the yeah. term I expected. But, uh, you know, this, uh, other than this drawing on the wall of like a, a demon creature and a bunch of beheaded bodies, like other than that, pretty, I, I, you know, given, given my options, I'd go to that restroom knowing that that painting was there just because uh, it's clean. Uh, you know, you do what you gotta do. Uh, so um, she gets all freaked out by that and runs out and finds the dead body of that man uh, sitting in a pickup truck on a lift in one of the garage bays. And so she freaks out, obviously, tries to make a phone call for help. And when she picks up the phone, Bill from earlier is inside the convenience store part of things. And uh, we realize that Bill is not Bill because Bill is uh, Sam Raimi. And uh, we've seen his employee of the month picture. And uh, then he his dead body falls out of a locker. Uh, this is the crazy man. He has taken over 
and pretended to be Bill to get to her. Yeah. So to clarify that, so Sam Raimi's body falls out of a locker. Yes. Yes. Sam Raimi as Bill. As Bill. It's Sam Raimi's turn to get bloody for once instead of just yeah, making exactly. Bruce Campbell do it. But Robert Carradine, who's such a sweet faced man, like mm-hmm. in his like feral, feral phase right here. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, he does a great job in this. He's very, you know, very intimidating for a guy who uh, is not very intimidating most of the mm-hmm. time. Uh, yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised by the range of my favorite nerd from Revenge of. Yeah, exactly, from exactly. <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds, Tommy Knockers, uh, Escape from L.A., Ghost of yeah. Mars. Yeah. Yeah. So if many things. If you're of a certain generation, he's he's from Revenge of the Nerds. That's, mm-hmm. That was my childhood. It's just on TV a lot. <laughs> it was on Comedy Central just about every day. Yep. All right, and so uh, the fake Bill then comes and tries to kill Anne with a machete and with a uh, sledgehammer that he's banging down the window with, and she knocks him out and goes back into the garage area where he follows her, and he's about to get her when Pete, the man who forgot his credit card, suddenly shows up. David Naughton to the rescue. Yeah, knocks him up under the car, and Anne pulls the... uh, the lever that drops the car down, smashing him with a glorious amount of blood just spurting all around him. And that is the end. Well, no. And then Pete says, forgot my credit card. <laughs> That's the end of our first story. <laughs> so I'll stop yes. there with my synopsizing. I don't want to give you too much at once. All right. Mondo, uh, tell us what you thought. Yeah. I, um, so body bags. I, I love this movie so much. And uh, a John Carpenter is just, he wrote the role for himself, like obviously, like he okay. knew what he was going to do when he walked into this, and he's just having the best time as he as a morgue attendant. Uh, still would not, even though I know your friend made a dollar eating an oyster out of formaldehyde. Still, to our listeners <laughs> out there, don't drink formaldehyde. It can't be, it can't be good for your good for your insides. Um, all the cameos in this made this super fun. Because every time you turn around, it's like, oh, look, there's that guy. There's that guy. There's that guy. And that makes it for always a good time for these um, throwback horror movies. And I'm well, actually it's a throwback since it came out in 1990. Um, but I like how creepy this one was, too. And how it's kind of played almost like a slasher film at the beginning with you know, the, the kind of the faux jump scares. And um, and then obviously when the reveal happens, it makes so much sense because even at the beginning, he kind of tells her, oh, yeah, he forgets to give her keys at the very beginning, which is the first thing you would do if you're going to hand off you know, your store to somebody you hand them keys. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess you do need those. I think he's thinking like I'm just going to kill her anyway. Like, she doesn't need keys. And uh, uh, but by the way, it turned out I love the last line. Like you said being I forgot my credit card was just a, a perfect way to end the episode. And then, of course, the, the gore effect with the with the body getting smashed was just beautiful. So uh, uh, one for one on this anthology, in my opinion. <laughs> All right, Terry. I freaking loved it. It was absolutely delightful. Um, I just really loved the kind of caveat that she was just like, yeah, I could do this job. She was so confident from the beginning. And I love that power of just like, I'm a college girl. I'm studying psychology. I understand people. But also she got a little lost with how hot, like, you know, David Naughton was when he came up in his little sporty car. (laughs) (laughs) And I just adored that little, little crushy crush moment where she was just like, oh, no, rule number one was don't lock the keys, you know, out of there. And she gets locked out and just the suspense of that. Um, It's just really nicely built and really nice tension of just, you know, the push and pull of her dealing with what she thinks is the creeper. And it turns out the nicest guy who that she met that night, uh, see, you know, ends up being, you know, the the twist of him being the the worst person that she met that night, actually. So, uh, yeah, wonderful. And also love the, um, gotta give a shout out to the, the lady trying to pump gas. 
um, as well. Uh, she is the mom from Harry and the Hendersons, you guys. Like everybody in this movie, I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and she's just phenomenal. So I was really happy to see her. And she had no clue how to pump gas. She was that lady that that, that couple was just delightful of how you know much they were unhelpful uh, mm-hmm. to, to poor Anne at the, at the stop. She she was also Jim's mom in American Pie too. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes. Oh nice. Yeah, she's a, she's a great mom character. Good TV mom. Mm-hmm. Later, but uh, oh, yeah. for this one, she she got to have a fun role. I liked it. So yeah, this is this was a hit for me. This this nice. this particular uh, uh, portion of the of the show. Yeah. All right, Julia. When you sent us the list of movies and things to choose from, I chose Body Bags for a very specific reason. So uh, when the Star Wars re-release came out uh, in the 90s, I got a big crush on Mark Hamill. So mm-hmm. when I get a crush on someone, my MO is to just watch every single movie they're in and just go down a rabbit hole. So this is how I found this one. Um, and my friend and I used to quote his section a lot to each other and we were just flummoxed by this movie uh but you uh if you get a little, little julia secret here my my twitter bio is the tagline for this movie uh which is uh, a shock around the clock scare fest that'll keep you coming back for morgue nice. <laughs> i was like there you go thumbs up i learned that watching this this for this this podcast <laughs> i was like julia i had no idea that's where you got that from i knew it was probably some sort of quote but i did not know what it was from so thank you guys Yes. And I think that this, you know, I think it's so fun that we're getting, I like John Carpenter's, you know, I like the makeup. I like him going crazy and really having a good time with it. Uh, And I think that this is a good succinct little segment because I think sometimes uh, in anthology movies, the segments goes on just a little bit too long. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this doesn't do this. I feel like it clips along really nicely and gets to where you want to go without much fat on the bones. Yeah, this is easily like a good short film. Like it's completely could stand alone. It could be I could watch this for another half an hour, 45 minutes, make a whole movie out of it. Because this movie um, is a showtime movie, right? So it was a TV movie. It's not yeah, released so this theatrically. Was, this was like kind of a pilot for a showtimes trying to I guess they're trying to do like a Tales from the Crypt because John Carpenter is definitely cribbing the Crypt Keeper. And there's a lot of that humor and that vibe going on. Um there's actually quite a few people that did Tales from the Crypt in this a series we'll talk about we'll get to them in a moment um so i think this is showtime trying to emulate that at the height at the height of the uh tales from the crypt fad um but also so i i'll go i really i love this segment this was uh really fun uh we the music obviously john carpenter's doing the music it was really good tense music very much the thing vibes um and i really liked alex datcher who played Anne, the main character um, I thought she did a great job. Yeah. I would love to see her in more things. Um, her biggest other role was Passenger 57, the Wesley Snipes uh, action movie. Um, and she was on a Star Trek for, I don't, I don't know exactly how many episodes, but she was she did a little Star Trek. Um, but I thought she was phenomenal in this. I would love to see more. Um, again, the Wes Craven cameo is great. There's some great gore effects. It really did had that like tomato bursting effect. It was like mm-hmm. pop. Um, and John Carpenter doesn't often go for like a big gory bit like that he tries to usually be a little more understated so well, i was kind of surprised he's, he's got sam raimi and Wes craven on mm. set you know he's yeah. gotta go harder <laughs> than he usually does so <laughs> I, yeah i'm wondering if, if having other horror directors is like making causing him to like up his game a little bit um just feeling a little pressure from that maybe maybe not but you know we can always think well, when you have um, greg, greg nicotero doing your effects like you want to give him something to, yeah. something to do yeah exactly <laughs> 
Um, yeah, we'll see some of him, him in a second. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought this is extremely good opening uh, segments. Uh, Jody. Yeah, you know, we, we've talked on anthologies that you really need to start strong and finish strong. And this is a great start. Like, this is a perfect way to get this movie going uh, because it really establishes the tone. Because, you know, it's there's some comedy, there's some funny moments, there's all those cameos. But it's genuinely like a good short. It's creepy, like uh, it, it, like a good episode of Tales from the Crypt. You know, you get the cameos, you get the humor, but uh, you know, in the end, it's got to be a little scary. And so I think that pulls it off really well. Uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 with Mondo. Like I'm gonna gush over all these because I really like this movie. It's not gonna be one that I like tear apart critically. Uh, I just I really enjoy it, and I enjoy this first segment a lot. All right, uh, I think we're ready to move on to the next one, Jody. All right. Our middle segment is our silliest segment, but uh, it's still pretty fun. Uh, it's called Hair. And again, directed by John Carpenter. Uh, we get a middle-aged businessman named Richard, played by Stacy Keach, who is very self-conscious about his thinning hair. And I, I just got to say, I, this felt like upsetting and aimed at me at some points along the way. Uh, this man is, I, I looked it up. He Stacy Keach would have been like in his early 50s at this point. And I already had no hair in my mid 30s. And he's like losing his mind in his early 50s about, you know what? I just, I just couldn't move on. I, I, this is not a therapy session. Uh, but he's he's getting very self It's okay. It's okay, Jody. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think me You're and Jody. You're still beautiful. Like, okay. Me and Jody <laughs> should do a Patreon after this on <laughs> our hair, hair issues. <laughs> Hey, but after after seeing the uh, attempts that he made at home to fix his hair problems, uh, this is why I shaved my head because it, mm, at a certain point there is no fixing it. You just can't. You just oh have my, to. You guys on. both missed a perfect opportunity to 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 paste to to draw on fake hair for tonight. <laughs> just draw it <laughs> <Yeah>. on tonight. <laughs> uh, so uh, he's you know it's causing some difficulty with his girlfriend because every time she comes over he looks like a maniac from some hair treatment he's tried to give himself he like dies top of his head like a easter egg but you should mention that his girlfriend is sheena isa at that's right so beautiful mm. and she keeps telling him i love you for who you are you don't need to change anything you're perfect and he's not listening to her yeah. I'm like what are you doing now, this is this is all his own personal insecurity. His and she's like so hot. She's yeah. so. I mean, it's Sheena Easton struck out, put it out. That's what men want from women. I mean, she is everything, and so gorgeous. And like, honey, honey, you look great. Stop this madness. And she's like, fine. Instead of putting a rug on your head, <laughs> yeah. go to my hairdresser. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to the hairdresser and he kind of styles it up and. Yeah, it looks all right. Like it's it's not a bad look. And but then he sees all of these people with long, flowy hair walking by, including Greg Nicotero with his own long, flowy hair. <laughs> Where's uh, Mick Garris talking about long, that's flowy right, hair? Yeah. His is epic. And I like how they they pan to his dog too because the dog's in the long, yeah. flowing hair. Even his dog's flowy hair. So uh, yeah, Richard's pretty obsessed at this point. That's when he goes home and dyes his head uh, and ruins whatever had happened at the hairdresser. Uh, but then that night after she's like, we need to take a break. I, this is really getting out of control. Uh, he sees an ad for a man named Dr. Locke. And Dr. Locke, uh, oh gosh, what's the guy's name? David uh, Warner. David Warner, mm -hmm. yes. He's amazing. Uh, he's awesome. I love Another David Warner so much. fantastic who, actor. Who recently just passed away. It's really yeah, a big bummer. Yeah. Uh, so he goes to this Dr. Locke and uh, Dr. Locke does this like, 
like a little uh, computer thing where he like shows him different hairstyles and uh, he wants the stallion, which is the long Fabio hair. Uh, do have to mention Dr. Locke has a nurse there. It's freaking Debbie Harry uh, from Blondie and uh, Videodrome and all kinds of other good stuff. I so, just, also, I, sorry, uh, I just found out that it's not her real name, Debbie Harry. No. Oh, really? Angela Trimble. Hmm. And I was like, oh, stage hmm. name. Stage yeah. name onto stage name. You're you're Debbie Harry. You're also Blondie. It's, but she's fantastic. <laughs> she always gives such good energy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's great. Fantastic. She's also in uh, Tales of the Dark Side, like a yeah. year or two before this. So mm-hmm. she's really hitting the, uh, the horror anthology circuit. So uh, he he gives him this solution. He says, "We'll put this stuff on your head. You'll be wrapped in bandages. You'll go back to your own home, take the bandages off, and you'll have hair." And that's exactly what happens as Richard is taking it off. These long, like two foot long locks fall out of the uh, bandages. And it's, it's a very peanut butter haircut, solution. But Anyone yes. remember that movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, traumatizing. Sorry, peanut oh, yeah. butter solution trauma. Yes. It reminds me of that. I was like, oh, oh no, are they going to make I wanted to know what was going to happen with that hair. I was like, oh, no, that has got to be haunted hair now. Oh, no. Yeah. His reaction and that they really, I think it's just one take and that this whole like him unraveling and him yeah. realizing. Um, I think it's so sad though. He says, If I have hair, I have everything. I just want to love myself again. Yeah. That's hitting hard, <laughs> JC. <laughs> and he's, he's, you know, swinging his hair back and forth like it's a shampoo commercial. Like it's, you know, he, he is very excited. And so is everybody else, everyone else around him. It just fawns over this hair. Uh, his girlfriend comes back and she's like, I said it wasn't a big deal, but now that I see your hair, you know, uh, it's got everybody excited. He but goes, nobody asks, like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah. You were bald, yeah. like, you know, two days ago. Now you have this. Like, what What? What happened? I would just kind of accept it. Like, be, I'd, I'd have questions. Uh, yeah, and, and concerns. <laughs> well, he starts having concerns because after she leaves... He noticed his hair is like another six inches longer than it was earlier. And uh, so he goes to get it cut. And uh, when the hairs fall down on the ground, some of them kind of crawl away like a little inchworm. Uh, And that's our first sign that things are not right. Um, And uh, in addition to this, he starts feeling really tired and he's got this tickle in his throat. He keeps coughing. And uh, so he goes back home and he cancels his date and uh, he's laying around and he starts coughing again. He looks uh, in a mirror into his throat and there's like a little hair thing wiggling around in the back of his throat and it dips back down inside. Um, then he lays down and when he wakes up, he's got hair growing out of his cheeks, out of his forehead. He's got all these big like open pores everywhere where hair is growing out. And uh, he's looking Team Wolfy, like kind of. Yeah, like, all of a sudden. like you look like a werewolf transformation if you stopped yeah. it right in the middle. Yeah. Right. And uh, it's the hairs then are they're, they're wiggling and they have little mouths on them. Like he pulls one of them out and it's got little teeth and tries to bite him like little snakes. And uh, he he tries to cut one of the hairs. Oh, no, this is earlier. He They cut it and it's it screams the, when the hair is getting cut. And so there's just all this insanity going on. And so he goes back to the doctor, Dr. Locke. And uh, when he gets there, he's like, what did you do? What happened? Said, it's another successful implant. And then he tells the story. They were aliens and they landed on the planet and found that the only thing they really wanted to eat was human brains. It's the only thing that would sustain them. 
and they needed a good source. And so they used our vanity against us by selling these hair transplants, which basically implanted his brain and body full of these little hair aliens. And uh, at this point, Richard's kind of shut down and uh, he sits down in a chair and it ends with um, uh, the nurse combing his hair as he, I guess, accepts his upcoming death. Although the coroner does say that he jumped off a building and was hit by a car and was dragged underneath the train uh, <laughs> before he starts the story. I don't know how we get to that part, yeah. but either way. I thought that was a different story. Was he the one in the plastic baggie? I thought it I thought it was him that they led into that story with. I don't remember. That's I, I could be too. wrong. Yeah. I could be wrong. But either way. All right. It might be what was left of him after they ate him. Do you know sure. what I mean? Like he's got, who he's really got knows? Hair aliens. Yeah. All right, Julia, why don't you start us off? What do you think? Uh, it's, you know, it's fun to play on insecurities and have that be your downfall, right? You know, I think that, I don't know, the alien thing seems a little more than I need from the story, but I'm not mad at it. And I think Stacey Keach gives, they, everybody gives a great performance. And so it's, uh, it's, it's trim, if you'll excuse the pun. It is, it is quite trim. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, Terry. Um, yeah, no, I was just very excited to see Sheena Easton. Clearly, I love her since my childhood. I think she is freaking wonderful and beautiful um, and was pleasantly surprised to see her being wonderful with him. Um, he's it's a really creepy little little vignette. I enjoyed how weird it was. I love alien things um, and a little Medusa kind of vibe that was happening here. And I do find it interesting because I was just... Um, I think the, the last few weeks, I don't know, for whatever reason, I've, I've heard people talk about like hair loss or hair transplants or all that kind of stuff. Pretty, pretty like a lot, actually, in the in the in, the, in my zeitgeist world. Um, so it's just interesting that that's like, oh, it's just something that's still happening and it's still very pervasive. But also there's different solutions now that are actually like the skin grafting and the things that people are doing. Um, you know, if it makes you feel good, I think, you know, this world is weird. It's horrific at times. And if we survive this storm, do what you got to do to make yourself feel good in these in these trying times. Um, but also listen to your hot girlfriend sometimes, maybe. And uh, that could save your life. If she already thinks you're perfect and beautiful, maybe maybe listen to that. All right. Mondo. Yeah, yeah it, it, I like this. It's probably my least favorite of the three segments. I don't mean it's bad by any means. Um, it's still great. I, I still really enjoyed it. Uh, Stacey Keach is perfect for this because I, I think if you had someone that like, he almost looks ridiculous, he kind of looks ridiculous with long hair, which makes it that much better. Mm -hmm. um, because yeah. I think I think if the long hair really fit him, it wouldn't be as as entertaining of an episode. Because seeing him walk around like flipping his locks was just so awesome. And as, and as a guy who wants to have long hair for many years, it's such a pain in the ass. I'm just going to say, like having long <laughs> hair is a pain in the ass. I don't miss it. I mean, let's be fair, Jason. You, you, you need to buy shampoo. You just it's pretty awesome. Like, I'm pretty I'm pretty like I'm OK. With, like when I have to shave all this off, I'm OK with it. Like, I'm not going to hang on to it. But this is kind of a kind of interesting because like, like you mentioned, Sheena Easton's over here being like, the best girlfriend ever. Like, dude, you I love you for who you are. You're gorgeous. You don't like don't stop doing stupid stuff to your hair. Your hair is fine. But once again, like the biggest downfall of us men is ourselves and our own toxic masculinity. That's that society's given us where we feel like. You know, it's been fierce. It, the ball look only came. It, it's, it's been in our lifetime that the ball look became okay. Mm -hmm. as, as dumb as that sounds. Whereas, like, who gives a shit? Like, we shouldn't be worried about the hair. And you know, many of the people giving guys shit for their hair are other dudes. Like, I like you know. So it, it's basically just he's got this great girlfriend telling him no, it's okay, but he still has to go out and still has to do this, and he meets his downfall. Um, 
uh, much like Julia said, I think the space alien thing was a little bit much for me, which kind of took it took it down for me at the end. But uh, that's a small nitpick in uh, another uh, good segment. Um, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of ingredients in this one that I like. It's very Tales in the Crypt, great performances. Uh, um, I'm a huge David Warner fan. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like there's something like I think it was just structured and not the best way. Like I feel like they took way too long to build up to it, and then they have the that that twist, and then it just kind of ends. Where mm-hmm. I was like hoping that like the girlfriend would show up and try to rescue him, and then he'd be like body snap, bo- uh, uh, invasion of the body snatchers, like give her over, like something a little bit more after that. It's like oh, here's what's really happening, and then it's done. Um, so plot wise, I just feel like they they need to be rearranged a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's a zany concept. Okay, whatever. And in, in, in this world, we've heard weirder things, and I kind of like the body horror aspects a little bit of it. I kind again, I wish they would have gone a little bit harder into that. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's like I agree with Mono. It's probably the weakest of the three. Um, but it definitely has potential. It just would be we reworked a little bit more. Um, but again, uh, shout out to Stacy Keach from, you know, again, Escape from New York, a ton of things, but Escape from New York, American History X, Prison Break, the TV show. And Jody, you added this. I'm not very familiar with Slave of the Cannibal God. Can you? That's right. Yeah, in? no, that's that's one of those Italian cannibal movies yeah. directed by Sergio Martino, starring Ursula Andress. I mean, we're talking like prime sleazy trash Italian yeah. B-movie stuff. I had to put it in there. That sounds uh, like a dream. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> Going to look that up. Jason yeah. <laughs> only cares if an actor has been on Dawson's Creek. Other than that, he's not really paying oh. that much attention. Honestly, I don't blame him. Don't be <laughs> no. mad. I don't want to wait forever for this moment. No, um, I think... <laughs> I try to bring up Dawson's Creek anytime I can. Oh, I feel no, no, we, we've already yes. discussed because that's one of Jason's like comfort shows. We've already discussed a, a da- dad's from the Creek spinoff, <laughs> which will not, oh, not be nice. Today. Do it. Do yeah. it. It's even better if you hate it. Exactly. <laughs> um, David Warner. I just have to give a shout out again. He was in Titanic, Star Trek six, Tron in the mouth of madness, scream Two, time bandits, um, time bandits, teenage mutant Ninja turtles Two, waxworks, ice cream, man, Necronomicon, he was also in, and this is going to be important in a second, Tales from the Crypt's uh, episode, The Arrival, which is, again, I think the scariest episode of Tales from the Crypt, one of my top, I think I, think I had it in my top five. Um, so you're recruiting another Tales from the Crypt uh, alum. And Debbie Harry in a nurse costume, right? Nobody's mad at that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Boha. And can I just say, Stacey Keach looks a little like Sean Beam as Boromir in Lord of the Rings. And that's very much. <laughs> Julia knows that I will find yeah. a way to make Lord of the Rings in every episode as well. Go. That okay. is my comfort thing. I will watch that all the time. And he's giving me a little bit of that. And I was like, mm, when he was all, when he's all mm-hmm. like airy, I was like, okay. For a moment, I thought <laughs> it was Tom Atkins. Yeah. yeah. For a moment, I thought it was Tom Atkins. Yeah. Like, I didn't see that uh, name. Damn. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jody, did, we, did you give your thing yet? Oh, Let's about uh, about this one? Yeah, no. no, it's it's definitely by far the silliest of the three. And uh, I think because the first one is such a great one, it, it suffers a little bit just following that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's silly. You know, I, I like all the performances. I like all the people in it. Uh, the little uh, snakes... You know, for a, I'm assuming early 90s CGI, that's, that's got to be how they did that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it could have been stop motion. I guess, yeah. Maybe, yeah. They're they're reminding me of the little uh, dream demon Freddy Snakes from Freddy's Dead. Yeah. 
I thought yeah, it might so be I, don't, I don't know if it actually oh, was yeah. CGI or not, but yeah, it's you know they're they're silly, <laughs> but uh, it's it's still it, there's still fun parts in it, and I, like I said, I, just getting all these people together in a segment's already enough that I enjoy it. Can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. I know you you're you watch a lot of anthology horror movies. Have you ever watched one where you felt like every segment is perfectly matched? Because I feel like there's always one you're like, uh, it was fine. And then, you know, but have you ever watched one where you're like, all of them, all of them slay? I am very biased, but I'd say Necronomicon. Okay. Necronomicon is really I good. love that movie. And I, I'm, I'm probably biased because I got to watch that when I was really, I still remember I watched that for the first time ever in 96. Um, after I only know that because after a Metallica concert, my cousin had rented it from the, had rented it and we watched it and I was just blown away by it. So I have great memories of watching that movie the first time. And then even we watched it again during, um, Chattanooga film festival. I'm like, Oh shit. I forgot how much I love this movie. So, uh, I would say that's what's, that's definitely up there on my list at least. Yeah. It's, it's a really good one. There's, I feel like I remember describing one as like all the segments work. But I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. I mean, because uh, there definitely have been a small handful that feel that way. I, I feel like well, I feel like this one didn't have a bad segment. I'd say Tales from the Hood doesn't have a bad segment. Creep Show, yeah, yeah, the first Creep Show doesn't have, doesn't have a bad segment on it. Yeah, like, like some some stronger oh. than others, obviously. But yeah, it's yeah, it's hard because you you can't help but compare them. Um, I feel like Mortuary Collection, the one with uh, Clancy Brown, mm. is coming to my mind. I haven't watched that in a little bit. I, I don't remember it enough to... Yeah. We'll definitely I, cover it, but that's a good question. I, I need to double check. I feel mm. like VHS 2 was another one that had just mm. a lot of bangers in it. Yeah. Was that the I one that had the end scene with the temple and they summoned the, yeah, they summoned the devil? I think, so. I think that's it. I think... <laughs> it's it's the one that had the uh, the cult one yeah, with no, all the that's yeah. the same one yeah, yeah okay because that yeah. segment oh, that was good <laughs> yeah there's a lot of good ones in that all right Jody uh, tell us about the eye okay so our final segment after uh, Crypt Keeper uh, John Carpenter makes another martini with an eyeball in the bottom of it uh, is called the eye and this one is directed by Toby Hooper. We have a guy named Britt Matthews. He's a minor league baseball player played by Mark Hamill. And he's about to be called up to the majors. So this is a big deal. He is driving home one night and trying to find the right cassette to put in. So for everyone who thinks phones are the most distracting thing (laughs) we've ever had while driving, you have never dealt with a like CD case that has 74 CDs in it and you're flipping through pages and this was tapes, but it's eight track tapes, yeah. Yeah. CDs. Things, they were there way harder things. to deal with in the car. I got <laughs> CarPlay in the car. It's not causing me yeah. problems. This thing was driving with my knees. While I'm trying to exit a CD and pick another CD to listen to. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So anyway, well, he gets so in an accident. Ju- yeah. Well, the, the reason he's driving is because his wife says she has something important to tell him. So he's driving right. home. Right, right. Yeah, he's on his way home to find out what it is and. He gets in an accident, try, swerves to avoid a deer, and hits a tree. And uh, he, in the end, he ends up losing one of his eyes. And uh, one of the keys is, too, they also show when he reaches over for the tapes, he unbuckles a seatbelt. So he's yes. not wearing a seatbelt when it happens. Yeah. The, the gag of the glass piece in the eye, though, shout out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that, yeah. That's that, a good that, that, that make Lucio Fulci proud. 
But yeah. shout out to Mark <laughs> Hamill for doing that, right? Yes. He that's a really to, to to do like I he really went through getting a car accident, yeah. having these risk reconstructive surgery, and then he did a movie about it. I was like, shout out, that's that's ballsy. Yeah. 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 And yeah, do, we see what, like, do we see what tape he's reaching for? I was curious. No, I didn't. B fifty twos. It's B fifty twos. Oh really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had that cassette and I was like, hey, B fifty twos. I love you, Julia, uh, because that is you knowing yep. what the freaking uh physical media is in, in nice. the movie. That's real nice. <laughs> I still listen to cassettes cool. almost every day. So. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, but I, I forgot to mention too, this is I feel like Mark Hamill's really having a good time with this one. Uh, because he also uh has a southern accent through this entire thing. Um so it's worth mentioning. Uh, he's he's really. Is it because you're in the South, Jody? Is that why we have to talk about his Southern accent? <laughs> it's so good. It, yeah. How is his Southern accent? It's fine. Yeah. No. Okay. It's, it's 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 fine. Serviceable. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he uh, he doesn't want his career to end. He said, "You know, I'm a baseball player. I can't I can't do this with one eye." And uh, a new surgeon comes in uh, named Doctor Lang, who says, "Well, I have a way that." Uh, we might be able to do something. We can do a full eye transplant and somebody just died recently. They have a good eye. That's the right size. It's the wrong color, but we can put a lens on it and uh, you can have your vision back. You can have your eye back. And so he goes for it and he gets this brown eye implanted <laughs> and uh, has to put a little contact lens on it. And uh, he goes home and he can see with it and everything, you know, seems to be going well. Uh but he starts having these visions. He looks out his window and sees like a woman's body jump up from under the ground, or he's throwing stuff down the uh, um, garbage disposal in his sink, and he sees an arm in there, and he just keeps having all these violent visions of dead bodies, and he starts digging around in his backyard and thinks he sees feet uh, that are somebody buried under there, and it turns out they're not there. Uh, meanwhile, during all this, his wife reveals the surprise, and it's that she's pregnant, and he's there to build the nursery. And so that he, he's got these two things going on. His family's coming together, but at the same time, he keeps having these violent moments. And uh, he keeps having these weird, like, I mean, it makes sense that he and his wife have, you know, urges towards each other, but they're, like, bizarre sexual urges. Like, she's not into it, and he's... Uh, you know, like really sleazy coming on to her. Uh, oh, really to, aggressive. She's yeah, not aggressive. used to that. He I think he was her. like a sweetheart before. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, for all you Mark Hamill fans, you get to see Mark Hamill's balls in this, like flat out on the screen. So, yeah. Why do you think I rented this movie? You guys? I mean, this is, <laughs> did I not say I had a crush on Mark Hamill? There you go. You get you a lot of Mark his, Hamill uh, in this one. Some Skywalker booty for a long time. I was going to say booty. I was like, booty, booty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. Going oh, for God. it. If you ever wanted to see him screw in Twiggy, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, legends screw in legends. I mean, beautiful. <laughs> Just beautiful. Well, and uh, as, as anyone who spends a lot of time watching horror movies probably guessed, this eye is not from a good man. This eye came from a serial killer who killed women and then had sex with them after they were dead. And so all of these urges are coming from that eye. And uh, he starts feeling like it's taking over his body so that he can get back to killing. And so he goes back to tell his wife about it. But it's just that the killer kind of emerges and takes over. And so he starts chasing her around and tackling her. And he ties her hair to a table. 
And that's when she starts trying to remind him of who he is and it, who he's supposed to be. And it, she breaks through just enough uh, that instead of killing her with the garden shears, he stabs himself in the eye uh, with the garden shears. And because then, of the Bible. Yes, because yeah, of the Bible. Weird Bible thing, yeah. No, I was like, oh, I know the verse. I knew it was coming as soon as I was like, she, when she told him to look at it, I was like, oh, you have to pluck your eye out if it offends you. He's got to yeah. do it. It's got to be done. Oh, yeah, because they do have that one kind of little awkward scene in there, too, where they're, where they're having sex and she flops her hand over and it lands on the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chekhov's Bible? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> got to be shot. <laughs> and in the end, uh, that's what kills him. Because uh, stabbing garden shears through your eye, not good for the rest of your head. Uh, it depends how deep you go, but he went pretty deep. He went yeah. pretty deep. I mean, he he's in the bag at back in John Carpenter's morgue. So, yeah, you know, this is true. It, it did the job. All right. Terry, uh, start us off. What do you think? Oh, my gosh. Um, what more could you want than Mark Hamill going batshit? Um, I love that. I love how committed he was to this part. Um, cause it's just like, he did not have to go that hard, but he was like, no, I'm going to do this effing movie. I'm just going to go for it. And I respect him so hard for this. Um, terrifying. Also just like the thought of like, I don't know, having that other person's visions in you that you can't shake. And even when you're trying to fight it so hard, you know, it's like, what can you do? And when he tried to go get help from the doctor and it was just like, literally like, he's like, man, I, I gave you the eye. Like, it's up to you to figure it out from here. Like no help. Um, whatsoever. It's kind of devastating. So this man's just left to his own devices to try to solve his own problem. And unfortunately, it's I feel like it's a little similar-ish to the hair thing where it's like, yeah, you know, the guy it was for vanity and this guy was for his professional life, you know, um, of, of what he thought he couldn't, could do and having to let go of that dream. And he thought this was going to be an easy fix, but the doctor told him it was experimental. So there's always a chance if they tell you it's experimental, it's freaking experimental. So oh, I It's experimental to get a haunted eye. <laughs> you never know if it doesn't take or if something goes wrong yeah. or if you get an infection anytime you go under yeah, the that's, knife yeah, but you know. that's something you expect I, but not like serial killer haunted eye I, I no, like, I mean, you, should probably, you should probably ask where the eye is coming from that yes. might be a good yeah. thing yes I would but have you questions. also don't want to know always either because sometimes I mean usually if you're getting an eye it's a donor and somebody who's passed away and you hope hoping it's not something that was terrible um, right. We just uh, watched Birth Rebirth the other night. Um, <laughs> that, uh, uh, very terrifying movie about some parts being used. <laughs> oh, yeah, <on> <laughs> um, other people. And dear God, you, you sometimes you don't want to know where they're getting the things from. You know, the, the doctor does tell him, though, like, well, if it doesn't work, worst case scenario is you still just don't have an eye. So the doctor did kind of downplay any risk. He's like, yeah, we can try. If it doesn't work, yeah, you're, you're, you're still right here with no eye. <laughs> yeah. All right. Julia. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is the segment that, uh, you know, I was, I was always very excited about because Mark Hamill was in it. Uh, I'd like to shout out Roger Corman is in this segment. Mm -hmm. as one of the yes, doctors. that's one of the doctors, Dr. Brickman. Yes. So yay for Roger Corman. Um, I'm going to say something a little controversial. Um, I was watching this the first time and I was like, I understand you say that Mark Hamill is giving everything. But I also was like, I don't think he's very good. Like, is he a good actor? I'd never thought it before. And I was like, oh, is he not very good? I can't tell. It's one of those performances where like, I don't, I can't, I don't know. So we always, so my friend and I, whenever we watched it, this was the one that we always like, we, whenever we would yell at each other from across the room, is it my eye? <laughs> <laughs> if anything happened, um, it's a fun segment. And I think he, he does a good job and I think it's fun to see him and Twiggy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. 
dubious. Oh no, Julia, Julia, <laughs> the it's love like of you your have, life. Oh no, I know, no. but it's like one of those things where like you like an actor so much and you like them so much that it kind of overrides their actual performances and things. And then if you like kind of such step a back. nice dude, you know, <laughs> no, it's, it's fun to see him be scary. And I think he does a good job of like really trying to go for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it makes me wonder, like, if he did like the Stephen Weber uh, Shining route, mm. like, would he make that a good would... Jack Torrance? I I, f- I feel like it, his performance in this, though, he was kind of playing that Tales from the Crypt thing, where they do go like a little bit campy, a little bit over the top with it, because mm. a lot of times that's what you get on Tales is you've got somebody mm. who's you know generally a good actor, but they play like this insane character that's way over the top, chewing the scenery. So I feel like maybe we got a little bit of that out of this performance. So the one thing I thought of, have any of you seen uh, the movie The Machine that he's in with Burt Kushner or ever? He yeah. basically plays unhinged over the top. And I wish you'd have brought some of that into this role. Like, I think if he took this role today, he plays so unhinged and over the top. And it would be just, like you said, Tales from the Crypt kind of wacky in a, in a good mm-hmm. way. Right. Mondo, what do you think? I, I, I love this segment. And... Uh, uh, hey, also, uh, Mark Hamill also rocking the the dad, the sleazy dad stash there in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I really like that. Stash filled movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the scene that got me is when he's digging, he's digging in the backyard and she goes, why don't you stop and come inside? He goes, I can't. I have to finish. And she goes, finish what? And he goes, digging your grave. And I was like, yeah. ooh, that like sent chills. I'm like, oh, that's Luke. <laughs> what happened to you, Luke? <laughs> Meanwhile, Vader's going, good, good. Embrace the dark side. Um, yeah. But yeah, I like this one a lot. I thought it was really, really well done. I, I think the trope with the eye, I think, was actually done in Tales from the Crypt as well. Um, wasn't it? Or man, I might be thinking of something different. I think it was something else, but something uh, similar. Uh, but I still like it. Like You kind of know where yeah. it's coming from, right? You start seeing those images. Uh, I like, as you're seeing the images, too, he's also seeing this guy's childhood, and, like his mother abusing him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then then it, then it delves into some pretty horrific imagery. And then uh, that, that sex scene was very, very uncomfortable. Um, in, in, in the best way possible, I mean, it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be uh, a very, very loving scene. It's supposed to uncomfortable make you feel kind of icky. And... Um, uh, but the end, though, I did like. I I don't really care for the the Bible verse at the very end, like I'm not like I I don't think it needed to go with the religious route of it, but I do get it. Um, but what I did love is I love like at the end though he basically killed himself to save his wife and like was actually able to talk through that and get through it. Uh, remind me of Nightmare on Elm Street too, when uh when what's her name is talking to Jesse and talking him out of Freddy's body basically. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool. So I'll, I'll also I'll compare everything to Nightmare on Elm Street if I can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as you should. As you should. That's so I, the way. I'm a fan, and this might have been uh, my favorite of the three. I can't, I can't quite decide. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to our favorites in a second. Uh, Jody, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think this is a really good one. Uh, like I said, great performances, even if they're not great as in like you know like realistic. I feel like it's an entertaining performance. Maybe that's the way to say it. I, I like. Think seeing... I, I'll go for that. It is an entertaining <laughs> performance. Yeah. So I like seeing it. It's kind of a Nick Cagey thing, you know, like he doesn't have to be good if I enjoy watching what I'm seeing. So that's kind of what I'm getting out of this. Uh, But yeah, no, I, you know, there's some good disturbing images. I mean, Toby Hooper knows how to like make a quick flash of something that makes you kind of recoil from the screen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and, and that's what a lot of the horror is. These quick flashes of just awful things happening. And I always like a story where you've got a good guy who slowly gets corrupted by something like that's a good horror trope for me. 
uh, you know, something like uh, uh, what's that movie? Oculus. You were talking about, yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah. I am uh, such a fan slowly of just descends. Yeah, like I like that. I, I think it's a good horror trope, and uh, you know, especially him being a uh, husband who everyone's like, "Hey, dude, you can take a break. You don't. You love your wife too much." And to see him slowly become this monster, uh, I think it's good. I think it's really well done. Yeah, I, I do think, Jody, your point, they did make a really great, a, a great, they, they made a great uh, effort to show they had, the, there was, it was this loving husband and wife with a great relationship. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, you know, mm-hmm. the estranged, like these little pieces start coming out. No, no, they had a, a strong, a strong loving it's, relationship. It's the, uh, it's the Jack Torrance thing, the movie versus the book, like in the uh, book. He's a nice guy who slowly goes crazy instead of in the movie. He's a kind of crazy guy who goes crazy. <laughs> well, he's not a nice guy in the book, though, because he's kicked out he's of trying. teaching for punching a oh, student. Yeah. So yeah. he's not really a good guy to start with. And he breaks his kid's arm by he's yanking a, him. He's a better guy. I guess, <laughs> uh, to, uh, dubious, dubious. He's yeah. never really a good guy. And he's a drunk. He almost hits a kid. Like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. I, I, it's Stephen King in the late 70s, too. I haven't read the book to comment. But, I mean, I imagine, though, I had some teachers growing up that I thought were awesome teachers. I probably would have punched a kid if they wouldn't have gotten fired for it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and probably maybe um, justified. Like I said, it was, uh, I, I did go to Cheyenne High School in Las Vegas, which was not the... Uh, the best high school you could have gone yeah, to. Yeah, my condolences, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, well, earlier so, on, we were talking about that. I mentioned where I went to the high school. She was like, oh, I'm like, oh, yeah, because there's a reputation there. <laughs> yeah, we know. Us Las Vegas Nevadans, we know. So, well, well okay. What I want to know is why is it always the good guy who gets the serial killer appendage or eye or something? Mm-hmm. I want to make a movie where there's a serial killer who gets a good guy's eye Ooh. and, like, gets tortured by good visions. <laughs> And that he can finally see clearly what he's doing the that whole feels, time. And wants to do nice like a things. Christopher Landon movie oh, for some reason. Yeah. Okay. Like, like freaky. Freaky, happy death day. Yeah. Yeah. I'd watch that. Yeah, it would be, yeah absolutely. I want to get a fun. Like kitchen you, feeding the homeless. He's pissed off about it. Like, yeah, so like, like all these nice things. For people. That'd be great. And then be... See, Jason, you yeah, because you idea. always have people Jason. descending into madness, but you never have them descending out of madness. And you're like, okay, you start out as a serial killer and you end mm-hmm. up as a nice guy. I like it. So th- they did this in the Batman comics. I think it was the White Knight comic they did it with, where the Joker gets on, gets actually gets treatment for his mental illnesses. And they realize that Batman's a pretty shitty person. So he, he makes a campaign against <laughs> Batman while doing all, and everything he does is the city is like all these great things making the city better. <laughs> and he's showing how Batman's just making it worse. But it's, but it's watching his slow descent into mm-hmm. like yeah, into, into non madness. I guess um, right. it's a really cool comic <laughs> series. If yeah. I hope they turn that one into a uh, into an animated film, that's cool. Um, so yeah, so you got to imagine though, Mark Hamill in the early nineties. He's been over the Star Wars thing. He probably hasn't really done a ton. He hasn't reached his like voice acting phase where he like picks up picks up again. So I'm thinking he's like trying to find his niche, trying to find something to kind of reinvigorate his career. So he probably thinks this is a big juicy, um, like we talk about the shining, but like a, a going Jack Nicholson kind mm-hmm. of role. Um, so and I, he gets to be directed by Toby Hooper, which that's what I'm going to say. These legends. Yeah. Pretty much anybody. Right. Uh, but also again, Toby Hooper in the early nineties wasn't, wasn't having the biggest career either. He did, he was doing some tales of the crib to you. I can't remember what else he did. Um, in that time. But again, they're kind of trying to jumpstart. So I appreciate that they're kind of using that to kind of go big. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, again, it's at least as far as live action, this is the only like big performance I think Mark Hamill's done. And again, especially, you know, doing an, a nude scene and, you know, going really going for it. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. Um, 
And again, we have some great I was cameos. going to say booty bags. I'm sorry. Booty bags. <laughs> 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 hey, you um, know again, what? You know what? It's a shock around the clock scare fest to keep you coming back for more, you guys. Yes, delivering us. You, you have to go to the video store and go behind the uh, the old western doors to get to a uh, booty bag. So. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, the dirty room. Or the beauty curtain. Dirty yeah. I loved, curtain, I used yeah. to work at a video, my first job was a video store, and I used to mm. love to go into that room when there were guys in there and start putting stuff away because it would make them so nervous. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Amazing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, again, Mark Mark Hamill's has has actually had a great little career playing um, villains. Um, he was the trickster in the Flash, uh, obviously the Joker in the Batman series, the voice of Chucky in the new Child's Play, and he always doing Skeletor in the animated Masters Universe show, the newer one. Um, so again, he's having a really fun little career mm-hmm. doing all these fun voiceover stuff. In in uh, one of the best roles or one of the best episodes of what we do in the shadows too. Yeah. The Jackie Daytona episode. Human um, Twiggy, again, you know, was, was a big, you know, uh, fashion icon. She was in the Blues Brothers movie. Again, she was in the same Tales from the Crypt episode as David Warner, The Arrival. Um, again, we shout out to Roger Corman for his little bit. I, I wrote down Yay. some uh, bit parts that he's done. So he was in The Godfather 2, The Howling, Science of Lambs, Philadelphia, Apollo 13, Scream 3, and Sharktopus. Yes, I love, uh, I love me some Roger Corman. I just you. love that he started so many people's careers and really oh, gave, yeah. you know, he didn't give them money, but he gave them the opportunity to, you know, start. And I love that there's so many people that this one man has had this influence on. And I think it's great. Like if you take Roger Corman out of the equation, how many careers don't get started, yeah, right. you know? And they're all like paying him back with these little homages or cameos. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. that's really cool. It's pretty awesome. Like, they're, I know that if you guys are, I don't think anyone's coming to Vegas for the um, the Joe Bob's Jamboree, but they're going to do a uh, Roger Corman tribute with his with him and his wife Ooh, in attendance. That's nice, which should be really cool. And his voice, his voice is so so lovely. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. got this deep deep voice. I mean, I got to do. Um, Joe Dante had a script called "The Man with the Kaleidoscope Eyes" that was a biopic of wow. Roger Corman, um, oh, cool. and I got to go to a reading of it once here in LA, and it was Bill Hader as Roger Corman. Oh, that's amazing! And so he oh, was cool. doing the Roger Corman voice the whole time, and I was like, "This is fantastic!" That's so amazing. I, I'm so sad it hasn't gotten made yet, so it needs to get made. Yeah. That's good casting. Bill Hader, yeah. Roger Corman, probably a little tall, but other than dude, that, dude, I, I can totally see it. After watching, yeah, because Barry... it was it was about like right before Easy Rider came out, and like he took LSD to like show that he was part of like the counterculture, and it was about that kind of that incident, wow. and it was really cool. That's nice. really neat. And I've ever seen Bill Hader and Barry. Like, there's nothing that man couldn't do. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm so glad he's successful. It always, it makes me so happy. Yeah, especially someone that broke out of being just a guy who was typecast as a comedic character to be able to show that range. Oh, it's so good. And also um, just a guy who was like, I'm an editor and now I'm a superstar. Yeah. Like it just kind of came mm-hmm. out of nowhere. I love that. All right. And then um, Jody, talk about John Agar. Yeah, no, I, I put him on here because he's one of these guys that's been around doing movies since like the late 40s. Uh, and he kind of found a niche doing B horror movies in the fifties and sixties. Some of his movies, Tarantula, the mole people, attack of the puppet people, hand of death, daughter of Dr. Jekyll, revenge of the creature. And he was in Nightbreed uh, as a victim. Uh, But he was also Shirley Temple's first husband, just to (laughs) add a little true life weirdness to the whole thing. Uh, That is random as hell. Oh my gosh. I wonder if she likes horror movies. I guess she must've seen all the movies her husband was in. I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, 
he just one of these guys that was in a ton of old horror. So I I have to think John Carpenter, Toby Hooper knew this guy. Like they mm-hmm. grew up with his stuff, and he was the lead in all those movies too. So yeah, casting him is is pulling like you know like digging through the crates. It's a deep cut, but uh, yeah. But the film cool. nerds like us appreciate right. those deep cuts, don't we? Yes. Um, Hell yes. So yeah, to kind of wrap this episode, uh, this uh, segment up, I think. It makes the one before it, the hair one, look even worse because they're very similar in their themes and the kind of the plot structure a little bit. And it's just, I think it's a much better version of that. So um, I, I, I kind of think that, yeah, the hair one, it, it, it looks even worse by comparison um, to how good this one is. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Jody, take us home. Okay, so our final synopsis. Uh, is the uh, last segment with our uh, morgue attendant, uh, John Carpenter. He hears some people start to come in, and so he goes and gets in one of the body bags and uh, says he's not supposed to be here, and so he lays down. He's been dead the whole time. Ah! But you you didn't bring Uh, up when he turns around, he's got the googly eyes. Oh, yeah, I forgot. (laughs) Yeah, the eye segment ends with him turning around with googly eyeglasses. And, And all I can think of is like, I like those. Those are just laying around in a morgue. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. Hey, you know, you gotta have some sort of levity in a morgue, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm all for it. No, normal morgue equipment. Uh, but it's so attendants... it's so much fun because he's having so much fun. Yes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Clearly uh, having a blast. The two attendants come in and they are to Toby Hooper and Tom Arnold <laughs> as Ooh. the two attendants, and. Uh, Toby goes to get some coffee while Tom starts carving away at John, who. Uh, you know, he'll occasionally like pop his head up and look at the guts that are being pulled out of him. And uh, the, it ends with them getting ready to cut open his head and him making a bunch of faces. It's just he's just mugging. John yeah. Carpenter just mugging for the camera at this point, And it's fantastic. Cause, I didn't know he was so silly. Yeah, that's what I thought when I first watched this movie. I, I've always heard John Carpenter as this like very serious, grumpy man. Yeah, me too. And uh, this is him just. Being very silly, very fun. Well, I, mean, uh, I like it. Maybe not silly, but if you ever see him when he plays live, he looks I like... I when he played live, and he was not silly at all. He just stood there. Um, like, yeah. he was just... It was serious. See, he didn't look silly here in Vegas, but he also looked like he's having just an awesome time. Like, because he's he's always glancing over to the sun. You can just tell he's happy to be yeah. up there. And so I, I, I think that's maybe kind of what I pulled out of it. Is like, it was like he looks like he's having a good time for the first time or second time in his life. <laughs> <laughs> just being the first time. You, you know what this uh, segment reminded me of is that there's no one hungrier than the coroner because in every they goddamn TV show or movie, they're always eating or drinking something. It's just they never. <laughs> they do it to about, disgust us. It's disgusting. It's like thinking about them eating time. food, yeah. like even from the beginning, it looked like he was like cutting into a body and he was going to eat it. But it was like pie or something. You're like, oh, no, it's like a pension pie moment. I don't know. Just. But it's also the, the normality of it because I, I have a friend who de- who's an actress who decided she was going to play a coroner in a movie. So she called the Los Angeles coroner's office to ask if she could go take a tour. And they said yes. But she didn't know they were going to take her to like the room, like that room where there's just bodies everywhere. And she was like, there was a guy who had jumped from a building and they were working on him. And it was people who were just talking like you would at any job. Yeah, they were just talking about what, you know, what movie they saw that weekend and how's your wife doing. And like it was normal and it totally traumatized her. And it was like, but it's this thing where you get numb to it, right? You just have to not really think about these are people, these are bodies. It's just my job. Sometimes you just yeah, kind of pull sense. up the googly eyes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Let's do our uh, – does anyone have any final thoughts before we do our favorite segment section? I I wanted to say I'm very disappointed that this did not become a series because Mm -hmm. if they could make – I don't know if the production values could have stayed as high as they were for this movie – because it looked like there was a little bit of money in it compared to you know some of the later Tales episodes. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I want more of this. This would have been fun. And you already know you have Wes Craven and Sam Raimi on board, right. Right? right? So just have, have them do the next one. Could yeah. you could no. you imagine John Carpenter resurrecting this now? It may be so great. I'd be, I'd, oh. I would, I'd pay to see old man John Carpenter as a, <laughs> oh my God. yeah, bringing this role He would back. have less makeup. <laughs> I was going to say it, but I didn't want to. <laughs> this is true. Um, yeah, I, and I think it's a, the shame of it is that like because it didn't get a theatrical release at least as far as I understand. It's yeah, it was a TV um, movie. It was a TV movie, so it doesn't really never got the exposure that it really deserves. Like if this was released like a, a creep series, uh, uh, creep show situation, I think it'd been much much bigger. Yeah, in the no, early nineties, who wouldn't want to go see this movie? Yeah, well, it's I mean, there's a lot of fan service in it, right? And um, mm-hmm. I mean, in the best way possible. So it, it might also be one of those things where to the mainstream, we're all, yes, all, like we said, film nerds and horror nerds. Uh, of course, we're going to fall in love with seeing David Naughton and Sam Raimi and Toby Hooper. Mm-hmm. But I think for the general public, are they going to have that tickled nostalgia that we are or be as yeah. excited as we are? I don't, I don't think so. Never know. But they got some of those other people in here that are like crossover people, like Stacey Keach and yeah. Robert Carradine, yeah. you know, and Mark Wiggy. Hamill. Those are all yeah. big stars in in the regular regular world, so to speak. Uh, that's <laughs> like Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill alone would have been a draw. I mean, yeah. we've already heard he yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, I think if Mark did well, this movie could have done really well. But it is what it is. It's still all right. Kind of criminal how unknown it is today. Even mm-hmm. like how mm-hmm. so few people have seen it. So if you're listening to us and haven't seen this movie yet, God, go 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 watch it. It's on uh, Peacock right now streaming. If you have Peacock, it's on Shutter. It's on Shutter. It's on Shutter. It's on Screenbox. Yeah, and also it's you're on promoting Tubi. it right now. So this is you're doing the job of shouting out yeah. body bags, and people will watch it because of your episode. So you are furthering oh, the I viewing so. of this film. And then if you like it, tell five people you liked it. And we'll just keep spreading the word about how great Body Bags It's a good MLM. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> body Bags chain letter. If only we can figure out how we can make money off this. <laughs> if you don't tell someone to watch it, you'll die in five days. <laughs> just, just call and them right now. Send, send a dollar to the first person on the list. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I remember these you, letters. Did you ever do these? There used to be. I don't know. I'm sure boys didn't do this, but girls did this where they had panty chain letters. So it was like you would buy a pair of panties for the next person. And it was just like this never ending panty chain. Did you know? Everyone's nah, shaking we, their head. We, no, we, 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 definitely, like we definitely didn't do this because, what? because yeah. Sorry, Julia. I think my growing up era was a little more conservative than your growing up era. (laughs) Clearly, because I always know the Bible verses and Julia doesn't when we see any of these religious. I grew up in Las Vegas. What do you expect from me? Come on. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I mean, if someone sent me a cool pair of underwear, I think that was cool. I'm like, all right. right Yeah, right. I thought it was a cool idea. It was like underwear you wouldn't necessarily pick for yourself. And you, but it was, so I got a few pairs. It depends on your size. Well, they, you got the you put the size in the next one so people knew what size to send to the next person. Okay, okay, oh, there you go. You've learned something new today, everybody. Yeah, huzzah! I'm still I'm gonna send, send Jason some uh, some g strings. There we go. Yeah, hell <laughs> yeah! I'll send some tie the whiteies to Jody. Ooh, <laughs> sure. Send her the I most like uncomfortable it. pair of underwear you can find. Yeah, very much. <laughs> but hot. But hot. All Has right. to be said. 
<laughs> Let's do our uh, favorite segments. Uh, Terry, what was your favorite segment? Oh, my gosh. I think my favorite segment is the first one, honestly. I think it's the strongest. I think it was terrifying. It was straight out the gate. Uh, scary. That mural on the bathroom wall alone was worth the price mm-hmm. of admission for me. Um, I love a creepy, um, p- potentially satanic uh, ritual uh, that looks like on on a, on a bathroom wall. I, I really, really love that. Um, and I also freaking was obsessed with Robert Carradine as a child. And uh, that has not stopped. Uh, mm-hmm. Really fun to watch him in this in this segment. Nice. All right, Julia. The first one as well, I think that because it feels so concise to me and that there's nothing superfluous at all, mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's a, you know, and it, as again, we're fun to watch all the cameos. Wes Craven is a delight in this um, and it just works well. And then everybody wins at the end and you get a little snappy little one liner and you're out. Nice. Jody. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have to go with the hive mind here. I, I think the first one's the best. Uh it's a succinct little short film all on its own. Like it doesn't need anything else. All the other ones, I think benefit from being part of this movie, having them all together. Uh, but I think this one could have stood on its own. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's just really well-made. Uh, Armando, man, I, I want to say the third one, but I'm probably, I can't like, I just, as much as I want to say the third one, cause I love that a lot. That first one though, if I was, if I was going to watch it, I, I would watch that first segment and just turn it off. Like not that it's not, there's anything wrong. You know, if I had 20, 30 minutes to kill, I could just watch that first segment over and over again and mm-hmm. smile at all the cameos. And the uh, first one was <laughs> definitely the most fun. So uh, I'm, I'm going to hide mine in this one too. Yeah. And those hot um, cars. I sorry. I love yeah. I love cars and I love classic cars and those were some hot cars some in that segment cars too. In that, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with everyone else. The first one is a good bit better than the other ones. I think the third one is just a little bit behind. The second one just pales in comparison. Um but the first one, you know, is got the whole package right there and um it's tight. You got some great cameos. It's got it's got everything you wanted from I all mean, these other it, ones. But in the third one, you could see the whole package. So, hey, <laughs> I will um, say though, even though that's my favorite one, though I don't dislike any of these. Same, same. Every single one of them's fun. Just yeah. you know, varying degrees. Well, yeah. One that's interesting. I have to ask this question to Jody. So in the first one, when she's working at the convenience store, they have obviously like bulletproof glass separating you from mm-hmm. the the customers. Are there any gas stations like that where you're from in Tennessee? Yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely the gas station that just has the attendant and not like a full store and everything. But do they have bulletproof glass and all that where you can? I'm sure they do. Okay. Because I, I don't know. Because if you're out in Vegas and you and you think you're in a bad part of town and you see a gas station has bulletproof glass and they actually have a full store that you can't walk into but you can point at things and tell them you want it, um, yeah. you know you should probably just not be in that area. <laughs> you're talking about North Las Vegas, am I correct? That's where I grew up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. My, my dolus right. again. <laughs> yeah, I grew up. You know, Mondo, my, my we have those here in LA. <laughs> I was going to say, so Mondo, I saw. I went through a Taco Bell. In LA, that had that. <laughs> it was by the forum. Yeah, yeah. There's a Jack in the Box near MacArthur Park that has little food grass as well. So, so yeah. what I have to say sign. about current Las Vegas is you have North Las Vegas proper now, which is actually its own like in, in, incorporated city. Sure. That's actually the nice North Las Vegas. Um, 
Uh, where, where I grew up around was not the nice North Las Vegas area. Well, my favorite <laughs> casino in Las Vegas is Jerry's Nugget, which is in North Las Vegas, I, uh, because it has the best coffee shop, the best prime rib sandwich, and you can play uh, $2 roulette, $2 blackjack, and then get free drinks while you play. It's awesome. There's a uh, casino here called the Silver Nugget, too, which you may, may you probably, yeah. may, probably remember that one, but they do wrestling shows there, and they, when I was a kid, they do wrestling shows, and our parents would just drop us off and leave us there, and we were, I'm talking, we're like 11 years old, and it's in like the worst part of town. And then going back to those nowadays for wrestling shows i'm like i would never fucking drop my i wouldn't like if my 20 year old child is going there i'd be like i'm going with you <laughs> or who's going with you because we're all in a bodyguard <laughs> all right well mondo give us our song of the day all righty I, I think i've done this band before but when i watched this movie i had to pick this song based on the name of the record itself um it's a band from sweden and like most of my songs are from european bands um called entrails they're an interesting early first wave, not first wave, but early Swedish death metal band. So they have that HM2 guitar pedal sound, which sounds like a chainsaw, which is awesome. But kind of the interesting thing about this band is they did a bunch of demos in the early 90s and just never did anything with them because they just, you know, people wouldn't grow up, go this type of ways. And then it was in 2009 or 10, they got back, they, they the front, the guy who was writing the songs, the band said, you know what? We wrote some really cool songs. It's been 20 years. Let's record them. And got the band back together, you know, some new members and some old members and recorded all these songs. It's just a killer death metal record. And it's the first record they did. It's called Tales from the Morgue, which just fits this this mm. episode perfectly. And, What's the name of the band? Uh, Entrails. Entrails is the name of the band. Cool. Entrails. Tales from the Morgue. And the song I'll pick is, uh, it might be the last song or the next last song off the record. It's called The Morgue. But um, if you like that early Swedish death metal sound, which is less technical than their American counterparts, but I think way more aggressive and more atmospheric, which I like. Um, check them out. All right. Um, so we're going to do something a little bit different with our uh, rest of our episode. Uh, since we have the survivalists on our show, um, in lieu of the horror news and data advice, let's go through each segment and figure out the best way to survive the situation. Oh, nice. Nice. Okay, um, okay. First first segment is you don't leave the booth yeah. ever. You just stay in the booth. When there's sketchy people and you're like, nope, sorry, not my job description, just staying in the booth. And what? you stay alert. You got to stay alert because, you know, mm. getting like Twitter painted by, you know, a hot man in a hot car, you <laughs> know, and not, you know, d doing your duty, like making sure you get the license, making sure he gets his credit card back. I mean, even though that ended up saving her later, that's it's dubious. And also remember to keep the key if you're, if you're going to leave the booth at all. Like, yeah, because doesn't she have the the carbon copy with his information on it? Yes. Yeah, so she could have easily called, got his number or the, some protocol to get yep. him that. She didn't have to run after him. Um, what I will say, though, I think he kind of asked her out right right there, too. If she had just yeah. le mm -hmm. left with him right there, she'd have been safe. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But it, it is also a conundrum because even if she stays in the booth, uh, Bill, our Robert Carradine, never left. So he probably yeah. – and he has keys, so he probably would have come in um, – so I would say don't take a job that you're in the middle of the night by yourself in the middle of nowhere behind bulletproof glass. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, he did smash that glass down, too, with a sledgehammer. Yeah. So even staying in the booth is not completely safe. It would be so fun, though, to smash a glass window with a sledgehammer. Oh, yeah. Oh, Julia yeah. loves to smash things. She had a smash birthday party where she got a bunch oh, of breakables and just I'm, people went to town. 
want to do that. So we missed a perfect <laughs> opportunity when our, our our old office got bulldozed. We had to, we cleaned it out the day before, and I'll, I told my coworker, I said we should go get some sledgehammers and come in here and just fuck this yes. place up because getting bulldozed tomorrow. Glad we didn't because apparently they did a walkthrough <laughs> before they bulldozed to make sure we got our spring <laughs> deposit back. But um, it been it been. What do, what do you? How do you think that you could survive that first one? Um, I think. I think if you're going to work that job, get a weapon of some sort, a taser or something. Spray. Spray. Yeah. yeah you got to oh. have something. And, or maybe even like a safety vest. Cause if it's already bulletproof, like I would still want to be extra careful. Mm-hmm. Take some. Yeah, uh, it, just, it just seems like a bad job. Like, yeah. In I mean, the she, end, like it's just a bad better. job. Well, she's, I think she just wanted to have a place where she could study at night and yeah, not be. Yeah, like, no, I get it. Like, I, she could, I, you know, make some money while she studied. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. When life. I was in college, I took a job at a hotel, like doing the overnight stuff. So all I did was like I cashed out and then I hung around in case anybody needed to check in sometime in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So I was just by myself, you know, college student. And I generally just watched Jerry Springer all night because there's nothing on and I had to stay awake. <laughs> Okay, so what if someone came in? He was there trying to kill you. Like that could have happened. Yeah, to you too. well, no, and that was definitely you know the the door was locked. There was a layer of locks, and I wasn't supposed to let anybody in until I had verified that they had a reservation. Yada yada yada. So you know, I don't know if it had bulletproof glass in Jackson, Tennessee, but it was Jackson, Tennessee, so it might have had bulletproof glass. Yeah. She also needed to look behind her a few more times because every time she yeah. thought she was in the clear, I was like, "Girl, look behind you. Look behind you. Look behind you." So stay yeah. alert. Stay alive, right? I, I did think she was going to use her psychology studies or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Kind, of, kind of like as a Ginny in uh, uh, Friday yeah. 2. Friday 2, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was going to come back into play. She was going to use some psychology mm-hmm. mind trick. And also Definitely just, don't go follow the creepy guy into the bathroom to go Definitely check on him. Yeah. Like, just leave him. That's Somebody else to check in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not going in there to check on him. And yeah, I uh, also, I'll be unbiased, but take some self-defense classes. Everyone, yeah, everyone should learn some self-defense and because uh, I, I'd have just choked that dude unconscious when it'd been, been that difficult. <laughs> as far right. as the hair segment, no. I think I think this is actually a good survival for both segments is if you're getting some sort of experimental treatment, really look into what it is, right? Because David Warner in hair gives him a very good it's a protein solution we put on your head. He's very vague about it. And he's so excited that he doesn't delve into it. I'm like, don't just don't just do that, man. You have to like check and see, look into that, look into the company. I mean, even if you don't have the, you know, look on the internet, see what you see, Better Business Bureau, that kind of stuff where I feel like if you you got to, if you're doing something that drastic in both cases, then you really need to be knowing what's going on. He was so desperate though. You know, he wasn't going to read, read the fine print. He was like, oh, proprietary information. Okay. Understood. Like you don't want to let that information out. Okay. Like mm-mm. now, always read the fine print. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a weird survival tip, but there you are. Yeah. As a male, research, I'm just gonna speak for all males out there and say we're fucking stupid. So like, I did. So <laughs> that, that's part of it too. We're just idiots. And like when it comes to healthcare, especially, we're like some of the worst people. I'm I'm terrible at going to the doctor. So like if I'd have woken oh, yeah. up and the hair's kind of coming out of my face, I just gone back to sleep. I'm like fuck. It, I'll deal. I'll deal with this later. <laughs> I mean, Jason and I have already survived that one, right? Yeah, once, once we looked and the hair was going away, we just, you know, you embrace it. Embrace mm-hmm. it. You know, be yourself. I didn't even think uh, about this. You don't have to go for experimental uh, Fabio hair. There was an Aquating Hunger Force episode that basically uses a premise where Carl gets hair, oh, yeah. Carl gets long hair and ends up being a yep. clown demon or something like that. <laughs> yep, yep. I remember that one. All right, and then for the last one, uh, let's do it from the perspective of Twiggy. So your husband's oh. uh, going insane from a demonic eye surgery. 
Uh, I would go to the doctor, definitely, that my husband went to and try to impress upon him that he tried to like choke me out and that kind of stuff. I don't feel like she is as on alert as much as she should be in this movie. Like, she doesn't mm-hmm. seem as affected by his transformation as I would be. And I'd be like, what the hell, man? What is going on? Let us get this under control. Because really he says, like, I'm digging your grave. And she's like, oh, it just kind of walks away. And I'm like, no, no, this is, this nice. is big, man. Yeah. And there was plenty of signs that he was falling apart before it got to that point at the end, right? Like, it wasn't just that... Uh, the biting and all that stuff. So he got aggressive there. That's, you know, if he's not normally like that, that's weird. But then like he's making the crib and he just suddenly starts screaming at the top of his lungs while sitting on the ground. That would be when as a spouse, I go, Hey, you know, do you need, do you need some help? Like, do we need to take you somewhere? Yeah, Cause this I mean, is not normal. Uh, uh, like, worst let's, comes let's to worst. work this out. Yeah. You like worst comes to worst. You 55, 51, 50, that guy, right. You're like, mm-hmm. you need to go in and get help. Even yeah. if you don't want to, like, we are going to take you in. Mm-hmm. Like you got to take that kind of level of help. Cause he's clearly losing his mind. And, well, yeah. And also the headaches and stuff. I think she probably wrote off part of it because she was like, well, he's sure. in pain and he's still healing. Yeah. And maybe he's got this migraine situation, which, which can, you know, affect some of your moods and stuff like that, too, and how you interact. Obviously, you probably can't be as as wild as he gets. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, some intervention would have would have not uh, been a bad move yeah. on her part. And I know it's easy to say, but just maybe you need to leave for a couple of days and figure something you know, I'm like, you know what? Like you're acting where I'm going to go see my mom for a couple of days or something like that, which is way easier said than done. Uh, don't, uh, don't get me wrong. I feel probably like would have hunted ki- her down though. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I feel like that's kind of abandoning uh-huh. him though. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. in his hour of need and saying, you know, you really need to get help. Even if that means like strapping him into a bed or whatever it is for yeah. his own good. Well, I feel like you would have to be proactive. Well, so he, he had like a whole team of friends so maybe you go to them sure. and say, "Hey, can you, why don't you take this guy out for a beer, or just go have, have come by and say, hey, how you doing?'" Like none of his teammates ever visit him or check up on him. This is really this is a story about how guys in their middle age are all isolated and don't have friends, and we need more friends. <laughs> That's why you start a podcast. That's right. Oh, oh, you guys are so oh, cute. Boy. Oh, it's true. <laughs> That's what friends are for. Uh-huh. You guys can call me anytime. Uh-huh. And talk to my voicemail. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. I'm just kidding. You guys, Maybe I will. No, my, my, if, my, I, my, if I ever get a possessed eye, I will I'll give you a call. I appreciate that. But I'm not going to the doctor anyway. No, so I was gonna we'll, say we'll I, to I, I have I have your guys' number saved in my phone, so I I, yeah, I would know yeah. it's you. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps up another episode. Julian Terry, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people thank find you? On the internet, all over. <laughs> you guys can find us um, at Horror Movie Survival Guide. Our uh, show streams on all the amazing platforms that you get uh, podcast on. Like Julia said at the top of the show, we've been doing this for over six years, and there's over 300 episodes strong. Uh, plenty of content for you to devour and dive into. Um, we have some fun stuff. And Julia, I'm going to shout out to has an amazing um, short film that's doing this, the festival circuit right now that just premiered at the Maine Film Festival because it was shot in Maine because it's a Stephen King dollar oh. baby. Oh. Um, awesome. of a rarely adapted piece of his called I Know What You Need. Um, so, um, yeah, if you want to, you know, talk, talk to Julie about that, you can follow I Know What You Need on the Internet as well. 
Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for the shout out. Of course. That's a, very lovely. Uh, yes, I am. I have just done that. I also, so you can find us at Horror Movie Survival Guide. Also, uh, Terry is at the Terry Gamble. I am at Julia C. Marchesi. I am also on two other podcasts. I have a, uh, one about the filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky oh, called, cool. Jodo, called Jodorowsky. Uh, and and then I also have I'm also on the Losers Club podcast, uh, oh. which is exclusively about Stephen King. Nice. Julia has also read every Stephen King like book uh, in the last yeah. like five years. So just so really? you know, everyone she no the the Dark Tower series all of it it is stacked up in her apartment. She has all of it awesome. um, and has read it all. So if you have Stephen King questions, she is more than happy to interact with you on the internet. If you have some questions for her and um, it has theories stuff deep yeah, dives uh, losers club episodes they do not set a time for their episodes so some of their episodes are like four or five hours long depending on the piece oh you guys know it is like one of the definitive podcasts that i know um, king actually has listens to as well so oh yeah um, no, i've seen them shout them out before oh for sure so and julia is an official loser and she was at, you know at midsummer scream talking with some of these amazing folks and with the losers club as well so very proud thank you terry awesome. yeah Oh, but I'm an actor, so you can look me up on things, but I can't really talk about any of them right now because technically we're striking. So, right. yay. Find me on the internet. Can you mention anything you have done? If, well, right now, not nothing huge. If you want to look it up, you can find it on my on my Instagram. You can find cute pictures of me doing shows that happened this year on TV. Um, and you can also, I also do a bunch of independent moves, movies and stuff like that too. So I've had some films coming out to some screamy festivals coming you, up very shortly. You mm -hmm. also do RPGs. I do. I do. I'm a role play gamer awesome. um, as well. So I am on the Twitch um, on Thursdays with a Monster of the Week campaign currently at Happy Jack's RPG. Um, and I have, you know, played on the internet for many moons. So if you find me at the Terry Gamble, it's Terry with one R, um, most of the platforms, uh, that's me. All right. Well, next week we'll be back to covering Tales of the Crypt. We'll be doing the episode Cold War. We appreciate everyone for listening. Really, really appreciate if you give us a rating review on iTunes or rating on Spotify. Check out our YouTube for videos of these podcasts. And with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. Yay! <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or I will follow you to the grave. <laughs> no, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs>